Ой, крикнули сиригу свим яру на ставу, стала слава на все село бродую дову, стала слава на все село бродую дову. Не так слава, не так слава, я той малий, що за нізим козак січі домдови Welcome back to the second part of Nash Holos Ukrainian Roots Radio here on CHLY 101.7 FM. With you are Pavlina and Oksana. And coming up next, we've got a Ukrainian Jewish heritage, an interview with Paulina Zolitsky. And now for a look at Ukraine's rich Jewish heritage, then and now, brought to you by the Ukrainian Jewish Encounter based in Toronto, Ontario. A couple of weeks ago on Ukrainian Jewish Heritage, we aired a book review of the memoirs of a Jewish woman from Odessa, an engineer who worked on a nuclear submarine station in Cuba during the height of the Cold War shortly before a daring defection from the Soviet Union to Canada. Her name is Paulina Zolitsky, and her two-volume memoir reads like a John Kerry spy thriller, only it's a true story. When I reached out to her this week to get a photo for the blog post with the transcript on the Nationalist website, Paulina dropped a bombshell, almost but not quite literally speaking, about an alarming development today that makes her story less a memoir than perhaps a prophecy. Paulina Zaletsky defected in 1971 with her two young sons and later brought her family members. To say that she has been a contributing member of Canadian society since day one is an understatement of vast proportions, but that's a story for another time. Today we'll talk about her book and her life in Cuba, the former Soviet Union, and her harrowing defection to Canada. Paulina Zalitsky joins me now by phone from her home in southern Ontario. 
Paulina, welcome, Vitayu. Thank you so much for coming on our show. I am so pleased to speak to you, Paulette. Thank you. Now, you you said that we've got sort of the same name. Now, you're really Paulina. <laughs> That's your yes, real name. Yes. You see, you see, my grandmother, she was Paulette because she was born in France. What? That is crazy. Yes, that my is... grandmother. Pel- Pel- <laughs> and my she was killed in pogrom in Odessa. Yes, yes, that's in your book. That's Pe- right. And Pe- her son, my father, in her name, named me after her. Okay. But because he couldn't give French name in Soviet Union, because then I would be grown up as an enemy of people. Right. Everything that was foreign was an enemy. He rusified it to Paulina. That's crazy, because my real name is Paulette, and mm-hmm. um, it's Paulina on the radio, because uh, when I started this radio program back in 1990, I had you know I had two co-hosts, or Yevhen and Bohdan, and then there's Paulette. Well, what kind of a Ukrainian program person, you know, is this? You know, I wanted a Ukrainian name too. And my baba called me Pavlina. So I thought, oh, okay, I'll be Pavlina on the radio. So, um, you know, I'll fit in with the other two guys that had Ukrainian names. That wasn't anywhere near as, as dangerous and dire a situation as yours, but that's just crazy. And here we are, Pavlina and Pavlina having a radio conversation. <laughs> yes, yes, indeed, indeed. And um, it's almost like in Canada, we're all sisters. Yeah. And it's, I have to uh, tell you that after reading your book, I feel like I know you. Your writing style is incredible. It's very personal. You weave in the technical details so well. There's background information. It is a bit long in two volumes, but I would say that's not so much a criticism. You need that background context to understand what happened to you. That's a, that's a huge story. And so it also relates to something, which is why we're talking right now, that you told me a couple of days ago what's going on in the world right now in Cuba, literally the third Cuban Missile Crisis. But before we get to that, can you just give our listeners who haven't read the book and maybe don't know much about Cuba or, um, you know, Soviet his- history from that time at all, give us a, 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 kind of an overview of, of what the story is, your story, what happened? Well, Cuba, Castro's Cuba that I described is from the perspective of young Soviet female engineer working there in late 1960s at that time. Uh, it was only the beginning of Soviet satellite because Cuba became already Soviet satellite in earlier period in '62. Uh, Remember, uh, Caribbean crisis yes. in '62. Yeah, there was there was a threat of of nuclear attack. Yes, it's called Caribbean crisis, okay. and uh, almost had terrible consequence because probably if the accident would be realized the way it almost happened, it almost happened that way, we would not exist today to speak. Nor you, not me, not anybody else. Wow. You understand that consequence of nuclear war is very different from any previous war. Mm-hmm. Because it exterminates all life. It's impossible to survive. And so you call it Caribbean crisis, um, I guess, in your part of the world where you were then, we called it the Cuban Missile Crisis. Yes. Nar- narrowly averted. But from what I was reading, and I had no idea, Fidel Castro 
is a was a lunatic. He's a loose cannon, and yeah. it was him. It wasn't maybe necessarily the Russians that, or was it? No, no, no. Russians were negotiating. You see, Khrushchev just wanted to get American missiles out of Turkey. Oh. I describe in my book as yes. one day resting in Crimea, in his dachi in Crimea, he suddenly noticed over the horizon there are American javelin missiles in Turkey. Mm-hmm. And he decided he will get rid of them. That's why he brought nuclear missiles to Cuba. And Kennedy had to remove javelin missiles from Turkey in order to do this deal with Khrushchev. And the deal was that no more Soviet nuclear missiles will be brought to Cuba. Right, that was detente, yeah. That was detente in 62. Mm -hmm. But this detente was broke. When I came to Cuba in 68, I started working with a group of Soviet designers. It was a Navy group to construct facilities for Soviet submarines that would come secretly under the water and uh, have their base in Cienfuegos. Yeah, in southern Cuba. It is southern Cuba, that's right. Right. You know, it's not so obvious because it's the other side of Cuba. It's the only very deep bay in Cuba. There is no other bay as deep as Cienfuegos except the entrance channel. And it's all very hard rock. So to excavate that entrance channel, we spent some time, two years. Yeah, and you were... what? And I was working with that group because I was in Cuba, not because I was sent by Soviet Union to Cuba to work on nuclear base, military nuclear base. Oh, no. I came to Cuba with my Cuban ex-husband. I married Cuban. Yeah, you met in university and uh, got married there and moved to Cuba. Yeah, I met a student in my university whom I married. I truly fall in love with him. It wasn't an arranged marriage, nothing like that. It was a romantic marriage. And uh, after graduation, my husband, I, and our two children went to live and work in Cuba. I started working in Cuba with a group of civil engineers that were building port in Cienfuegos for commercial cargo. The presence of this commercial port would kind of masquerade mm-hmm. the existence of submarine facilities. Right. Every time they would see any movement in the port and people would be removed, they were removed from that area. They were told it's construction of commercial port. So I started working with that civil group in commercial port. But we we were working in the same big hall in the Ministry of Transport. The Navy group was separated from us and we didn't communicate at all with them. It was forbidden Mm -hmm. to communicate with them. Oh, yeah. But what happened was that uh, the the Navy group lost their translator. Translator was arrested. Arrested. Yeah. And this translator was my friend. 
I really had a very, very nice relationship with her. Mm-hmm. She was originally from Odessa herself. Oh. Yeah. She also was a Jewish woman mm-hmm. from Odessa. Wow. But her parents escaped during the Second World War and came to Cuba. Mm-hmm. And uh, she became professional translator which later was brought to Soviet Union and trained, had security clearance, appropriate security clearance, to work with Navy Group. Mm -hmm. Suddenly, they arrested her. I don't know what happened. I don't know why they arrested her. But Navy Group was translator, and they needed translator. And because there were about 40,000 troops in Cuba at the time, 40,000. Wow. They needed many translators. Now, just before you go on with that, that the translator that they arrested, who you replaced mm-hmm. from from Odessa, gave you something to read. Yes. <laughs> Did that plant the seed of defection in you, in your mind? Yes, indeed, indeed, very much indeed. Because I never read Solzhenitsyn before. It was Solzhenitsyn, a very famous mm-hmm. uh, writer, yeah. that wrote about Gulag. Yes. And of course, it was prohibited in Soviet Union. Mm-hmm. So I never read it before. Right. She gave me to read it in Spanish language. Oh. So I had to use dictionary and word by word translate, you know, for myself. Uh, hiding from my husband, hiding from everybody because it was forbidden. <laughs> forbidden wow. fruit. Wow. Yeah. And I was scared that she was arrested, now they will come and arrest me. No kidding. Yeah. So after I was informed that I have to come to embassy, that they request my presence at the embassy officially, I was really scared. Sure. But when I came, they told me that they need me to help the Navy group. This is how I started working with that Navy group. Wow. I didn't have security clearance, you see. Wow. Being Jewish, right. it's difficult to get security clearance, and I didn't have one. Right. Plus, plus, you also avoided getting into the, the politics. You refused to join Komsomol. You day- yes, I refused to join all politics. And exactly. you, you, you daydreamed in, when you were in school. You daydreamed during the indoctrination sessions. <laughs> well, I don't know if if you remember that story, but when I was six years old. I almost uh, sent my father and myself to Gulag. Yes, yeah. This taught me lesson. Yeah, this is was... spanking too. My father gave me big spanking for yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So that that's why, because from the very early age, I started learning that uh, the wonderful life, uh, our wonderful life in Soviet Union, was um, complete. Uh, it's it was lie. Yeah. We were prisoners. Mm. I understood. I understood because I experienced personally that all these uh, meetings, all these political organizations, pioneer, Komsomol, and Communist Party, they're not only free ticket to a better career, you know, mm-hmm. and progressive lifestyle. No, no. They are also commitment to obey all orders. And never to argue. Yeah. yeah, never to have your own opinion. Uh, you only have to obey. And 
this one happens today as well, everywhere in Cuba and North Korea, mm-hmm. all those countries that profess uh, political uh, dictatorial system. Mm-hmm. So you ended up then translating it. You had no security clearance, yes. but you were privy to this top secret information because you were translating. But they had to because they couldn't find translator who would know terminology. I yeah. knew all the construction marine terminology. Mm. I was working in it, right? On the civil side, right. but still in the same field. Right. So I was the one who knew terminology in both languages. Hmm. That's why they used me. And they couldn't find anybody else. So I started working with the Navy group and became privy to kind of work they were doing. I would say that this was not my main drama. My main drama really was a request to denounce, uh, to write reports. Actually, every few weeks, I had to submit a formal report about what my colleagues are thinking, doing, and so on. Yikes. My Soviet colleagues. And I couldn't, I couldn't force myself doing that. Wow. So you were supposed to find, snitch and make up things if necessary. Everybody's supposed to do that. Wow. Everyone. Wow. Everyone. We all know that those Soviets that uh, worked abroad, I don't know about today, but in that period, they all had to write, it was obligatory. They had to submit by such date reports about their colleagues. And I couldn't force myself to do that you at were, all. You were chirpy. You said, um, everybody's great. I am thankful to work with such yeah, wonderful people. Yeah, what a wonderful. I was I was writing about their jokes, you know, <laughs> um. about about their hairstyles, whatever I could Imagine to to put on paper. You're a real rebel, and that sure comes out in your book. <laughs> I would think you would act the same way if you would be in my place. Oh, <laughs> yeah. A lot of people weren't. I mean, you you're a rarity because, as you say, so many of your colleagues lived in fear, and they capitulated. You didn't. Even though, I, it's very true. Even though and you, I paid price for it. <laughs> you did. You did. You worked through but you worked through your fear and you did it. But one thing I should tell you. Yeah. I was not brave. I was scared to death. Oh, well for sure, of course. But what is they they say about courage is that you're afraid but you you do it anyways. You work through the fear and you do You did have that. to. Mhm. Yeah. Mhm. You have to force yourself exactly. And so um, you have personal things going on in your life, too. Your marriage was starting to get a little rocky. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, um, an old family friend that um, you trusted um, hit on you and you escaped being raped. And exactly, by him. Can yeah, you imagine? That, he was yeah. my substitute father. Yeah, your father's friend. Yeah, you know what? And that that's such a common story for women. And uh, it's happened to me, too. I and mean, it always takes you by surprise. Like, what? You know, like, you're old enough to be my father, my grandfather, and you want what? Exactly. Uh, Plus, you probably would sympathize with me. I couldn't tell about that to anyone. Oh, no. Well, in, in those days, it would endanger your career. Well, actually, yeah, that's true. Uh, what am I saying? Um, I was the same. I kept it to myself. It's not something you talk mm-hmm. about because then... Then you're the one that suffers. 
exactly, exactly. Plus, when I when I uh, spoke to my father about it, I was endangering his health. Yes, because he almost had heart attack. Yeah, yeah. And I was afraid to tell to my husband because my husband could react violently. Yeah, I wouldn't want him to do that. Yeah. But what happened is, because my supervisor, who almost raped me, I didn't let him to. I yeah. fought. Thanks to your dad, he taught you the kick. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> this was very handy kick. Um, but I, I was afraid I killed him <laughs> with that kick. Um, so when it happened, he was scared that I will denounce him. So he went to embassy before me and denounced me. Yeah, preemptive strike, yeah. Preemptive strike, yes. So I was in a big trouble. Yeah. Plus, uh, my notes, I never wrote those reports. Yes. I I decided, or I get out in time, or I will end up in prison, so I better go. So then you started to seriously look at defection. You chose Canada. You knew nothing about it, not a word of English, never heard a word of English. Yes. But yes. you decided Canada and a fueling stop in Gander. Mm-hmm. And you, the first time was unsuccessful. You did it twice. You tried twice. Twice. <laughs> yes, first time they cut me. I'm speaking with Paulina Zalitsky, author of the book, The Sea is Only Knee Deep, her personal story of growing up Jewish in the Soviet Ukraine, working in Cuba at a naval base during the second Cuban Missile Crisis, and her famous defection to Canada in 1971. In part two, Paulina will tell us about her harrowing escape from the Soviet Union to Canada and will also explain why she believes, based on her experience during the second Cuban Missile Crisis, that a third Cuban Missile Crisis has begun. Join us next week for part two of this interview with Paulina Zalitsky, author of The Sea is Only Knee Deep. Ukrainian Jewish Heritage is brought to you by the Ukrainian Jewish Encounter, based in Toronto, Ontario. To find out more about their work, visit their website and follow them on Facebook and Twitter. Transcripts and audio files of this and earlier broadcasts of Ukrainian Jewish Heritage are available at their website, ukrainianjewishencounter.org, as well as at the Nasholos website, www.nasholos.com. You've been listening to Nash Holos Ukrainian Roots Radio here on CHLY 101.7 FM in Nanaimo. Please join Oksana and me here again next Wednesday from 11 a.m. to 12.30. And until then, do stay in touch with both of us via our Facebook page and Twitter. In between broadcasts, please visit us online where you'll find transcripts, audio archives, and other features, as well as the podcast feed for this and earlier shows. And that's www.noshholos.com. You can also find Nash Holos on Mixcloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and other podcast places, and of course, on your favorite podcast app. So stay tuned next for Nasha Kasha, Ukrainian Almanac, hosted by Stefan Andrusiak, followed by Wellness Wednesday to learn how to be healthy naturally. I'm Pavlina. Thanks so much for listening. This is Richie.
Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now.